High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. I'd very much like to welcome my guest, a colleague. He is the head of media at the IRR, Michael Morris. Welcome again to High FM. Thanks very much, Sarah. Uh, always great to, to join you. Thank you. I'm talking to you based on an article you had published in the Business Day last week. And uh, in, the, in the headline, it contains one of my least favorite words in the whole of the political <laughs> lexicon. Spare us the transformation ANC has inflicted on us. I'm not sure that there are many political terms that, that, that be transformation for, for a sense of real duplicity and um, failure and um, nonsense. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> I leave it to you to uh, explain what, why, why I, sh- I should retain my belief in the, in the fact that the word is misused in the worst possible way. Exactly, exactly. I think, I mean, just, just listening to your, um, your uh, very fine contribution on, on the state of SA US relations over the Lady R ship and what an extraordinary, um, saga that's turning out to be. And, and the, you know, distinct, uh, taint of duplicitousness in everything that South Africa is doing there. Highly implausible that, um, that we persist in, in, in uh, claiming neutrality, but that I especially yeah, this relates to my column and to this issue of transformation, I especially like to combining the two things that um, that bring such uh, suspicion on, onto the ANC one is, uh, is ideology, but the other is simply that, that venal party interest, which seems to permeate everything and that more and more South Africans are recognising, and I think this is especially true of, of transformation as, as you were speaking, I was thinking to myself that, you know, transformation has become a word that's so devalued in our discourse, mm. which is a horrible academic, uh, it's become so devalued in, in our, in the way we speak, um, about our conditionings. It's, it's, it's virtually unusable. It doesn't mean what it's meant to mean. And what it's meant to mean is, you know, change, uh, things actually being different today from what they were yesterday, and and in a, in a positive sense, and the subject of the of the column, uh, it was it was actually I must uh, I'm going to I'm going to let high listeners into it. Um, it 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 was triggered actually by something that Sarah said uh, <laughs> off air in a <laughs> while we were preparing last week for um uh, for one of the Daily Friend podcasts and. We were sort of chatting about Cape Town, where I live, and Johannesburg, where she lives, and we were talking about kind of politics there and so on. And teasingly, as I said in my intro, a colleague teasingly suggested last week, Sarah said, uh, said to me that I couldn't possibly grasp the essentials of Johannesburg politics as I lived in a city that had had the same mayor since the last local government elections in November 2021, which of course isn't a long time, but, but she makes a very good point because, of course, Joburg has had no fewer than seven mayors over this period. Um, and this, in a sense, is it cuts to the heart of you know, what what the, the real problem is here. We're, we're talking about you know the overweening party interest, the, the obsession with getting power, getting seats, getting votes, and the, the big loser, of course, is is uh, is the greater public. And this led me to contemplating a, a well a couple of things the, one was uh, the ANC political education committee coordinator what a mouthful David Makura who uh, was quoted in business day saying that 
the DA is trying to gather all the forces which are profoundly and fundamentally opposed to the transformation of South Africa. I mean, what would me statement to say in the face of the evidence? And, and this really is not of. Shall I carry on? Sorry, I'm mm. I'm hogging the attention here. Um, this brings us to the, to the nub of, of the piece, which is how, how can we measure how the real state of the nation, how people are actually living? Um, and it's worth reminding ourselves that we have been in a process of transformation, so-called, mm-hmm. you can only really put quotes on it these days, since 1994. So it's a full 30 years. And one of the finest ways of measuring this has turned, for me, has turned out to be this very excellent um, quality of life index, which is, um, which is which was created, crafted by our colleagues at the Center for Risk Analysis, kind of research arm of, of, of the IRR, um, in 2017. I think the first one was based on 2017 uh, data, and it takes a, a basket of ten weighted indicators, which kind of reflect a household's quality of life. So it's 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 matric pass rate, it's it's employment or unemployment, it's monthly spending of ten thousand rand or more, it's home ownership, houses owned but not yet paid, or people are capable of having bonds, and access to a whole uh, a, a, a variety of, of, of services, different kinds of services. So these, as I say in the piece, it's a basket of things which if you score well in them mm. means that you're living you know, a reasonably stable, secure, middle-class life with a potential of rising prosperity, a sense of optimism for the future, and, and, your sense, and you, you're knowing it. You, you, have a, you know that you have a stake in the society and you, you feel you reasonably happy about that. And the data, of course, is, is, quite, is quite staggering. So out of a score of 10, 2018, the national average was 5.7. Uh, Western Cape was the highest with 6.5. Gauteng next with 6.4. And Gauteng obviously the economic powerhouse of the country. Uh, and, and it shows, you know, metropoles uh, are significant places where the people flock because they're, they're better opportunities and so on. But the stark uh, truth of this, and it's especially in the context of, uh, of transformation, so-called, is that in, in, on, in the 2018 survey, stark, starkly enough, uh, white South Africans had the highest standard of living at 7.8, and black South Africans the lowest at 5.3. If we move, for, move ahead four years, the picture is actually even grimmer. In 2022, the national average was down from 5.7 to 4.7. Uh, and white South Africans still enjoyed the highest standard of living, but they were down also, just from 7.8 to 7.1. And black South Africans, again, the lowest at 4.5 and down again from 5.3. So, the, you know, the, the plain data, the, the fact is that, uh, that the way South Africans live, massive unemployment, massive poverty, declining services, dysfunction in local government, it is distinctly untransformed. And, 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 and as I've said in the piece, the data damns the ANC. Mm. That's a, sorry for that long. No, uh, no, no, that, that's fine. But, but, but mm. I mean, the, those are the mm. hard, the, those figures mm. indicate the hard reality of, uh, um, of transformation or rather the lack of, tra- of transformation in a negative sense, if that's at all possible. But isn't, yes. isn't the problem that the ANC has always used transformation in, in much the same way it, it uses a lot of its socialist language it's to in, it's indicate something greater um, that completely uh, sort of upends the political system 
It does not, yeah. it does not really mean what we mean, which is transformation with a small t, really meaning change, really meaning improvement. And I think e- that, exactly. that, that, that discrepancies might be the, might, might be, we're missing each other because we're actually not talking about the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you remind me of, uh, in course, Lamini Zuma's comment, I think, in the middle of one of the lockdowns where, mm-hmm. you know, millions of people are now suddenly confronting the fact that they had no, no income, couldn't, simply couldn't buy food, couldn't, they, they, all the, the, the feeding schemes had shut down, the, you know, the whole, the, everything, the government just stopped it, stopped the whole thing mm-hmm. without really appearing to think uh, about what they were doing. And and she made this remark about um, quoting Cabral, I think mm-hmm. one of these great fifty um, thinkers, as saying as as extolling the virtue of class suicide. And you just you know you look at oh. this. Here's this person who's you know I trust reasonably educated, reasonably you know ought to have a at least as a you know sentient human being who sees the world, making a comment like that. I mean, it's just utterly extraordinary. A complete denial of what it is that makes successful societies successful, what enables people to put food on the table, to get their kids to school, to you know, have careers and so on. But, but so you're right. To, to me, it sort of points to what we <clears throat> have come to experience from socialist and communist states like Russia and Soviet Union, uh, all of them actually, um, and part of the reason they ultimately fail um, is because they 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 look at pe- they look at people and they look at groups of people almost like i don't know playthings on a on a, on a table and they have new, they don't see them as humanity they expect them to do what the what the government of the, the what the what the socialist government says they should, they will do and how they will live and what they will earn and what actually happens is that you get they almost get so imbued with the it's almost a religious zeal with 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 with, with, with this mm. particularly ideo- ideology that you actually lose compassion. You, you you can't see it. You lose compassion for people altogether. Yeah. And I think for yeah. a, for a, there's no doubt, and we've, it's been talked about a lot that the that ideology that the ANC so stubbornly clings to is virtually a, a religion. It, it certainly it, it certainly may be a cult. Yeah, yeah, I think that, I mean, I, I, that idea of that sort of zeal, um, a sort of evangelical fervor, mm. I think is, is, is exactly right. And, and it, it, you know, it, 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 I think the ANC perhaps understands that when it comes from, comes at us with that, um, you know, wrapping it all in that cloak mm. of some kind of righteousness, some kind of, you know, unchallengeable good, um, it just makes it so much harder for people to to contest it and to fight it, um, because they you know they sort of feel as though they're doing something wrong, or they feel as though they're going against mm. some some kind of greater wisdom. And there was this wonderful phrase which I used um, in, in my column, in fact, which I found in a fellow columnist Gareth van Onslen's um, piece a week before. Um, and the headline of that is what happens if the ANC gets fifty one percent, worth having a look at. But he talks about how. And the, the quote is how transformation has become, quote, the, the greatest weapon in the ANC's arsenal, which is brought to, which it has brought to bear on everything and through which it has reduced all comers to rubble. Mm. Transformation, he went on, is an idea as, amorph- as amorphous as, as it is deadly. In the hands of the innocent, and this is, you know, the, 
nice middle class people who want to be doing the right things and the, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and want to be approved, uh, or think they want to be approved. Uh, in the hands of the innocent, it speaks to social justice. In the hands of the ANC, it is all about control and ideological And that's exactly uh, the Gareth, making, Gareth yeah. does have a way of saying things uh, which I truly envy. I mean, he's, 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 <laughs> exactly. he's he, whenever you can quote him, it, there's, there's a sort of underlying disdain uh, <laughs> yes. in, 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 in what he says, yeah. but he captures the, uh, the essence on it. And I think yeah. that, that exactly supports my view about <clears throat> control and ideological subservience. <clears throat> but from your article, this, this did, this did amuse me, uh, going back to David Makura, who was the premier of Gauteng, I don't know what sort of premier it was, um, you've quoted him before, but he, he added, anyone, anyone who thinks they can successfully exclude the ANC from building a vibrant South Africa where the economy grows and employs more people, we wish them good luck. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the thing is, it's like we are going to say the opposite of what we do. We mm. are we, we we are essentially going to lie to you, and I think it's for the reason that groups do use lies as as a method as as, as a propagandistic method, me, measure. Is if they're not doing well, if they're not providing for the people, and if if things are going badly, the the one of the ways of dealing with it is saying the opposite of what is happening. So. Uh, so this is so. What they really mean is we're doing really, really badly, and we really hope you don't do better than we do. But you probably will. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is an amazing thing to say, really, isn't it? Um, when it and, and also, you know, one just becomes aware of this chatting to very ordinary people on the street. The mood in the country has changed. Mm-hmm. People are seeing through the ANC in larger, larger numbers. Um, I, and I think I'm hoping also. You know, for a period, one had a sense that that, that, that was reflected in people de- deciding not to vote at all. Mm. It was maybe just too difficult to actively vote against the ANC, but it was quite easy just not to vote. Mm. To say, well, that, you know, that's that's as that's as far as my kind of stand goes. I'm I'm, I'm not going to vote for these people because they they they're no good. And I think my, my sense is, I'm, I'm hoping it's true, that there is a kind of maturing of Sentiment uh, and desperation, obviously, also uh, in people who are thinking to themselves, "Damn it, you know, uh, this is not good enough. I'm going to make a different choice." Mm. And and yet, you know, here we have the ANC still thinking that it can simply say a thing like that without saying, "Well, okay, we've had 30 years. It's, it's been us. We've been here, you know, doing this for 30 years. It hasn't worked. So before we ask you to vote for us again, we get to say." We get to do things differently. We get to scrap all this nonsense that we've been trying and it hasn't worked. And we're now going to do something different. But no, it's, it is just, just the, um, the self, um, uh, I can't think of the word, but, you know, trying to pretend, trying to, to convince themselves yeah. of something which simply isn't true. Yeah. Does seem extraordinary. I want to actually slightly take you off the subject just now, but it relates to a certain aspect. And but you end your article by saying that transformation under the ANC has proved a punishing illusion, um, which is which is quite a uh, which is very damning, I think. Just to go go to back to go to the Russia game. What I what I'm thinking, you know, this thing about 
as a tactic, saying the opposite to what you mean. Similar tactic is John Steenhuisen gets the opportunity to raise the question about the Russian ship in Parliament, and Sir Ramaphosa's reaction is a sort of calm. Are we going to head you off at the at the pass? We are going to create a commission, uh, seen to seen uh, looked over by a, a, a retired judge, to get to the bottom of this. And we all know that that's kicking into touch. But of all the commissions of inquiry that he may want to establish, what's so outrageous about this one is that we don't need it. He can literally go down to the Minister of Defence's office and say what went on and what came off that ship. And if she says, I, I don't know, he'll say, who, who does know? And she'll call the person who does know. And they can, that's how, that's all we need. That is all <clears throat> that we need. So the, it's, it's that <clears throat> sort of desperate look of trying to kick something into touch because that's what they always do. And it, it just staves off what should be, but unfortunately may not be the inevitable. Yeah, indeed. And, you know, the inescapable impression that, that we get, and it relates to the U.S. Uh, South African relations, you, you refer to that 400 billion in U.S. trade, which is at risk, um, and, you know, all the rest of it. I mean, there's so much more that's perhaps mm. in, intangible. Are, 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 you know, the, the importance of that relationship to us. There's just no urgency mm. in resolving what is clearly a problem. And I think the, as it applies to the, the USSA uh, saga, so it applies to mm. transformation, to things going wrong in municipalities, to corruption. Um, there just is not any sense of uh, of uh, vigorous, urgent action to actually change, to actually get to the bottom. And one half senses increasingly that they actually, oh, ESCOM is the mm. classic example, is that they simply don't know how to do it. They mm. don't know what to do. Mm. That that that, that, is, that strikes me as, the part, as as probably the problem is just they don't know what to do and they won't take help. I mean that is probably the yeah. most criminal thing for South Africans. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, it is a terrible, terrible. Michael, thank you very much uh, for coming on um, and dealing with my least favourite word in the political lexicon um, and more. And uh, I must have you back Pleasure. again sometime. I'm sure we'll. I'm sure you'll write something that'll get my blood boiling and lead to an invitation to come on to High FM. Thanks, Michael. It'll be a pleasure.